think art is something that can't really be defined. I think it's a feeling, it's an emotion, something that you get by an experience, whether it's seeing it or listening to it or feeling it. But I think that art is something that's really hard to describe. It's more of a feeling rather than a thing. You know, the way when you look at a picture, how does it make you feel? It makes you feel different than it makes me feel. So our definitions of art are different because of the way it makes me feel when I look at it or experience it through sound or stage or a visual picture. It's different. Welcome to the first episode of season two. We're back. back. (laughs) This is the Minot Arts Podcast, a map to the arts in small town America with your hosts, Justin. And Shandell. And today's guest, the executive director of the Minot Symphony Orchestra and very vocal arts advocate, Ellen Fenner. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. So you're pretty well known in the uh, local arts community for doing great work with the symphony, but you have a little bit of arts background of your own. Do you think you could walk us through that and maybe talk about a little bit about how you became involved in the arts? Sure. So when I was in a senior in high school in Devil's Lake, I took a graphic arts class as, well, I'm not going to lie, it was an easy A. It was an easy class for my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> Up to this point, I was the one that was always braiding hair on the school bus on the way to basketball games, volleyball games, all those things. I was always the hair braider. So naturally, I thought, well, I should go to school for hair design, right? I mean, why not? Sure. Then I took this graphic arts class as an easy A senior year. And my teacher came to me, Mr. Rice, may he rest in peace. And he said to me, you know, you could get paid to do this. And I said, my exact words were, this is too much fun to get paid to do. <laughs> oh. So he discovered, uh, he, he led me through discovery of North Dakota State College of Science in Wapaton. They have a two-year associates program, which was perfect for me because, honestly, I was not a good student in school. My okay. parents were pretty surprised that I went to college. So I got my associate's degree in graphic design at, in Wapaton. And then I moved to Minot where I worked at a job for two weeks. And that was it. And I was like... Okay, now what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then that led me to another print job, led me to another print job that I was at for three years and then nine years. And then I always felt that I needed something more. Like commercial printing is a great industry. I met a lot of people, a lot of resources, put a lot of projects, a lot of visuals together. And then the flood happened and I really, truly felt I needed something more. And I was honestly tired of getting pictures and images that were very poor quality. Mm. And so my desire was to improve my photography skills so that I could go out for clients and take those pictures to use in marketing. So I left my full-time job of nine years and went back to school at Minot State full-time to get my degree in marketing. Okay. So I took some photography classes. We learned black and white um, film photography which most people were oh. like, we're in a digital age. Why are you doing that? Will you try me to how, you try to teach me how to do f-stop and shutter speed on your iPhone and tell me how that works? It doesn't. Right. <laughs> so it truly was the heart and soul of photography by learning how the camera actually works and what you should do to get a better picture. 
It was great. I absolutely loved it. And so I got finished my degree in marketing and was working part-time for a motor coach tour company where I was doing their marketing. Loved it. They were a client at the print shop and they continued to work with me on my own as I was going to school. And she came to me one day and she said, plan me a tour. I said, a what? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I want you to plan me, uh, I think it was 14 days to the Rio Grande in Texas. Okay. I had no idea where to start. So obviously we got to get from point A to point B and then figure out stops along the way. I absolutely loved it. Talking to people, figuring out those um, hidden gems of their community to figure out what these this group of seniors is going to want to do between Minot, North Dakota, and the very bottom of Texas. And she sold it out. 52 people went on a 14-day adventure to the Rio Grande, except me. I didn't get to go because, <laughs> oh, no. because the bus was full and I was still in school, so I didn't have the, the time to be able to go on the tour. Sure. Um, and so I continued to do this, planning tours, and... Then she said, I want you to go on tour with me. So then I was really excited because not only did I get to plan the tour, but then I actually got to go on the bus with these people. And our first trip was a mystery tour. You have 50 seniors on a bus and they have no idea where they're going, but you do. That is so fun. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, it was a thing. That's really cool. I did many of them. Yes. And so I worked with her for a few years And one of the uh, pre-tours that we did was out into the Williston area um, when the Bakken oil field was uh, booming. Sure. And Paulette Daly came on the tour with us because her and the the motor coach tour owner were friends. And she told me that this position was opening with the Minot Symphony. Uh And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. And so as a single parent, I was in the market to buy a cello for my daughter. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, I could work for the symphony, earn some money to buy a cello for my daughter, who was going to school to be a music teacher. I thought, well, that's kind of an ideal fit, right? Yeah. And it was part-time, 20-ish hours a week. I can fit that in. So I signed up, and um, it didn't take long for me to realize that this is not a part-time <laughs> thing. <laughs> Almost overnight, I became a full-time. That's just part-time pay. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> Full-time work, part-time pay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Welcome to the nonprofit world. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's that's honestly how, um, at that point, I really, truly became 110% engaged in the arts. And the more research that I do and the more experiences that I have, the more that I just truly, truly believe that the arts is like the best thing ever. All right. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. That's so fun. Yeah. So are you still planning uh, planning tours just for the fun of it here and there? Just like I wish. pulling out a map and saying, I'm going to create something. Well, Nobody's going to take it. When you want to go somewhere, you just let me know yeah, because okay. I, I truly, truly enjoyed that. Um, I mean, and these seniors that get on the bus, they're having ice cream at 10 o'clock in the morning. Those are my kind of people to hang out with. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sign me up. That sounds like a great time. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I loved it very much. I wonder if there's a market for that um, as an Amazon business. <laughs> like create tours and just have somebody buy the tour and you get an envelope in the oh, mail. Oh, I'm and sure. Pull it out. Because it's a digital product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
at, at one point we were we did a tour a mystery tour into into Minnesota and when we stopped at the rest area when they all got back on the bus I handed them an invitation and it was an invitation to dinner but it was a murder mystery dinner Oh, fun. oh fun. so they had you know the next hour to get into character and to figure out who they were going to play and you know who was going to be murdered or not they didn't sure. know until we actually got there but it was so much fun that's fun that's so cool so i know that you've done a little bit not only well i now know that you've done some tours with the motor coach thing <laughs> uh but you've spent time with uh annual conferences for um national orchestra and uh, experienced a little bit of uh, how or where the differences come from between larger city and rural communities because you've grown up in rural area and you've mm-hmm. been in a rural area can you talk about your experience with the arts specifically as it relates to a rural community yes definitely so in 2019 I had the opportunity to attend my first League of American Orchestras conference, and that was in Nashville, Tennessee. Had never been to Nashville before. Wrote a professional development grant through the North Dakota Council of the Arts. Thank you for supporting a local arts. Um, and my friend and I drove to Nashville. It's a 20-hour car ride instead of flying, but we spent nine days on the road, and it was great. My first conference was... I was a fish out of water. I had no idea what was going on. I was fully immersed, um, trying to find somebody to connect with and how to bring this stuff from Nashville, from symphonies from all over the country, back to Minot, North Dakota. Well, one thing that the League of American Orchestras does very well at their conferences is they put people who are similar-sized budgets together. Because the Minot Symphony and the Nashville Symphony, we don't speak the same language. Right. Because their budget, mm, um, I, I don't even know how to explain how their budget differs from ours. But the thing about talking to other small orchestras really helps you realize how innovative and creative we are and how much we can do on such a small budget. If they tried to program out of our budget, they would be like, what how like they they would struggle very much i mean we struggle too but right um, they'd be caught they'd be deer in headlights yeah absolutely we've heard our visual artists comment on the same thing too so when they brought in um, the artists on main street program and they were talking about like these you know quote-unquote small budgets for these projects they were like you know we don't expect that you're going to be able to do like you know these big grand things or these things that are permanent mm-hmm. um, because just the budgets are so small and then they told them how much money it was and they were like Pfft. We can make that work. Right. Like we are right. used to dealing Thousand with like, dollars? Oh, yeah, sign me up. Right. Yeah. They were like, yeah. watch me stretch that as far as, and so there is like a certain element of creativity that is brought out in having that smaller budget and, um, having to be, um, or getting to be, uh, creative with that funding is, is pretty cool. Well, yeah. and then you get the other side cause I was at a national arts conference in DC and ended up at a table with somebody who worked for a municipal arts agency so they were part of the city and i don't remember which city but it was a larger city and they complained because they weren't able to spend all their budget every year (laughs) um i'll take it like (laughs) i can figure out what to do with it trust me so yeah you you they're two sides of a coin not the same language at all 
No, exactly. And so, but networking and being with people who are in similar situations as you is magical. Like there's no, there's no way really to describe it. But like I said, if I was in the same room as the Nashville Symphony talking about marketing, like my whole budget for the year is probably 10% of their whole marketing budget. Sure. Mm. You know, and so really being they able spend to spend your your budget on one ad. Yeah, exactly, know. exactly. And so by attending these conferences and networking with people, really has grown me personally and professionally to even advocate even more for the arts in general, and especially you know musical arts, which is my passion and my job. And it, it, yeah, seeing what we can do is really eye-opening to them on a larger scale, thinking, how how can we do that? On the flip side, when you talk to, you know, they have a lot of vendors at conference, and so when you talk to the vendors and you're like, you know, you see these blockbuster films that they're trying to get, they want to sell you, you're like, well, I'm a size 8 budget, which is the smallest. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, we probably don't have anything that fits in your budget. Yeah. I'm like, no, I can't spend $100,000 to bring a blockbuster film to mine out in North Dakota. Like, it's not going to happen. Right. But then you get the next guy, like we're going to do in October, that says, oh, you're a size 8 budget? I can work with you. Well, thank you. Because, no, I don't have the budget that the New York Phil has. Right. But we have a budget, and there's no reason that small town Minot, North Dakota can't be exposed to the same things as New York. So we have developed and made a lot of connections to bring innovative programming to Minot that you would have to drive to Minneapolis or Billings, Montana to get. Sure. What is what is important about that rural community? Now, because you are, I, I've heard you speak about the symphony and the arts in general, and you have a passion for doing this specifically in a rural setting. What is it about the rural setting that drives Ellen? Growing up in a small town, we didn't have those opportunities. I grew up in Minnewakan, which is smaller than Devil's Lake, about 500 people. I learned a lot of great things there. Had an amazing band director, K through 8, before I left. But coming to Minot, And allowing and encouraging people from outside of Minot. I mean, Minot's not a big city, but it's it's big enough. Right. We have many opportunities for people to engage in the arts and to participate in the arts. But I did a report to show Visit Minot, the number of people that come to Minot for our symphony concerts, for example. And Stephanie was blown away by the number of outside people that come to Minot to participate in our concerts. And I think for us to be able to be a cultural hub of Northwest North Dakota is huge because just because you don't have those in your backyard, they're within a two hour drive. And for people to have that opportunity and to come to Minot because they're coming to Minot to attend our events. Well, guess what? They're also sleeping in our hotels. They're sleep. They're eating in our restaurants. They're going to all of our boutiques and the mall and shopping while they're here. So not only is it great experience for them as individuals to come to Minot for these cultural events that we're providing, but it's also great for the Minot community to have outside people coming in. Yeah. 
Definitely. And it's a huge responsibility too. I think recognizing that, um, the way that you do it, I think it's great that you do recognize that. Um, it is a responsibility like to the rural communities that are around us to be able to provide those things that you know that they're those experiences that they're not necessarily getting in school due to um, lower resources. Um, I had the privilege of getting to volunteer at your student concert this winter, and that was incredible. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that's like putting that together and some of the impact that you've seen come from that? Oh, I say it's my favorite day. Mine, as well as many musicians' favorite day of the year. So every year in February, we hold our young people's concerts. And it's kind of geared for fourth and fifth graders. Um, it's up to the individual schools of which, you know, which grades that they bring. Some bring fifth or maybe even sixth, but mostly it's, it's right that fourth and fifth area. It's free for the schools to attend. They do need to RSVP. Um, and they provide their own transportation. But it's a 50-minute program. And we fill the hall twice with fourth and fifth graders, 955 times two, two performances we do because it's so full. And I'm going to tell you the story about Miranda. Miranda got to play the cello in the fourth grade. And in fifth grade, she got to attend her first symphony concert with her class. This was through Minot Public Schools. She still to this day remembers walking into the hall and seeing the plush red velvet curtains and seats, seeing the musicians dressed up on stage, and hearing the beautiful sound that the symphony provided. She continued to play the cello all the way through her senior year, where she decided that she was going to become a music teacher, because she had the love and the passion for music, and that she wanted to share it with people. So as a student at Minot State, she had the opportunity to play in the symphony. So guess what? She played for that next generation of fourth and fifth graders that came to the symphony concert for their first time. So she got to be on stage with them or for them. Then she took it another step farther. And after she graduated, she got a job at a local elementary school. And guess what? She then brought her students to their first symphony concert. So she did the full complete circle. And that's just one example of how these opportunities can change somebody's life. She didn't necessarily know she was going to be a music teacher when she came to her first symphony concert, but she experienced that firsthand, and it, it changed her life. What a great story. I love hearing about experiences that bring things full, <clears throat> bring things full circle for people, right? That's really cool. Yeah. Do you know, is, that, is the school program, is that common among orchestras? Yes. Yes, it is. And actually, this year, we're doing something even a step further with our educational program that we're doing. I had the opportunity to go to Carnegie Hall in May. And the reason that they brought me to Carnegie Hall was to teach me about an educational program that they call Link Up. It is an engaging program that the students actually get to participate in the symphony concert. So I got to play my recorder in Carnegie Hall. So, yes, I have played in Carnegie <laughs> Hall. <laughs> and it didn't take practice, practice, practice. It did. Uh, it well. did. <laughs> we had 20 minutes. It's a good thing I played the saxophone in, in high school because sure. it's similar fingering. So I was 
I was fortunate. You were a little ahead of the so game. You, you, you yeah. got there. You I got, got there. there. Yeah. And for any locals, this is the Carnegie Hall, not the Carnegie Center downtown. Right. It is the Carnegie Hall. <laughs> I've not played in your Carnegie Hall yet. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you bring your recorder and do that. Right. Oh, that you can play fun. for artists after hours. <laughs> we should do that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and so with this program, um, it's called Link Up. They have four different programs. And the first one we're going to do in February is called The Orchestra Rocks. And so the children will actually, I've been working with teachers already, and they are going to teach their children how to play the recorder to the songs that the symphony will play. So they will literally play their recorder with the symphony. I'm so excited, right? Like, I am so excited for that. I get chills. Like, you, this isn't the first time that you've told me about it personally, and I get so excited. Like, I, those kids are going to have a blast, and they're going to remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a lot of fun. I never got to do things. No, like that. right? <laughs> well, and you can, can we do too. an adult version? Well, we are on Saturday. Yes, yeah, so Saturday, February third is the family concert that's open to the public. Bring your recorder. Bring your get your clapper ready because you're going to get to clap and sing and stomp and play along with the Minot Symphony Orchestra. I'm doing it. That's going to be great. I'm going to have to find a recorder. <laughs> I have several. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all stashed in a closet because uh, it's not my favorite thing to just let my kids walk around with. But we sure. have several. <laughs> yeah um could you speak to how uh your work with the minot symphony orchestra or your work as ellen um how does it uh connect to the minot community and its culture does do you have influence from minot with what you do most definitely um our musician makeup is such a unique blend. We have student, community, and professional musicians that put on six concerts a year, seven with the educational concerts. It is because of our musicians who live, work, and play right here in Minot that we are who we are. We have a very unique combination and integration with the university that students who are studying music performance or music education have the opportunity to play in the symphony. And it's because of that opportunity with the students that the Minot Symphony even exists, honestly. And because of the influence of the musicians and the people on stage, as well as the people in the audience, really helps drive us to who we are for 98 years now. The, we, we did a program in April of, of last year with a, with a movie. We played Holes of the Planets, and we had a planet video that we played along with the movie. Sold it out. In the, in the follow-up survey, people said, we want more. You know, they, of course, they want Harry Potter and Star Wars and all of those right. things. Um, Harry Potter won't even talk to me, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> Darn it, Harry. <laughs> I did find a contact, um, but unfortunately, they're they're not ready to talk to us yet. Sure. So what we're doing is we're taking those baby steps, and hopefully by our 100th year, which is just a couple years away, that we will be, we want to bring a blockbuster film to Minot, because that's what Minot wants. You know, we gave them a little sampling with the planets and said, hey, do you like this? Do you like this kind of thing? And they said, yes, we want more. So we try to develop our programming influenced by what the community wants. But we also have to expose them to 
new works, old works, familiar works, classic works, you know, by providing diverse orchestral repertoire, we're exposing them to a wide variety of things Mm -hmm. rather than just necessarily, not necessarily just what they want or what they think that they want. Because if we don't play new works, they're not going to know what the new and upcoming composers are doing or what they may do. So we do, we have a young composer competition every year, last year and this year, both. This will be our third local composer who has won the competition, which is really cool. We had one from Colorado another year, one from Fargo. Um, But by giving those musicians and composers the opportunity to have their work exposed, you never know what could happen to that composer's future. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're also doing variety, and that's... One thing that I've heard you talk about is a struggle of just getting people to come in sometimes to a symphony concert is, uh, you know, they, they think of symphony as they're going to go in there and hear bum, 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 and that's all it is. Like, it's just going to be those classics. But there's such an incredibly wide range of things that go beyond just what those classics are. Yeah, absolutely. So if you turn on your television or your any streaming device, you are, I can almost guarantee every one of you has already heard symphonic music today. Right. It's on the television. It's on our commercials. It's on the radio. It's everywhere. It's in your video games. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We did a video game concert here a few right. years ago. Yes. It's, it's everywhere. And for, for you to come and see and experience it live is totally different than hearing it through your streaming device. Oh, yeah. There's so much that you can't even imagine that you're picking up on when you're just listening. Like um, I, last year I had the opportunity to attend, and I, I, there were some familiar songs, and I was just like, oh, yeah, like I, I know this song. But then you're watching them play it, and it's just like I had no idea that all of these different elements were were happening. And it's it's so cool. And I think especially if you've never been to the symphony, like it's so much – more of an experience than what you can even imagine. Most definitely. The musicians on stage are happy because they're making music. So they're mm. releasing their happy endorphins. And you and the audience, I know they're just <laughs> flying all over the place, right? And you as an audience member are, are hungry for those happy endorphins. And so you are getting those and you're creating more happy endorphins. And it's just, it's truly a magical experience to hear symphonic music live. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Like you said, I until think you do it. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it is incredibly energetic. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, anyone who's not been or doesn't, you know, thinks that they're going to be going to like a boring symphony concert. It's not that at right. all, at all. Well, and you brought up things like Star Wars and you just had the John Williams um, birthday here a year and a half ago. Yep. And, you know, you go, you go and listen to songs that you have heard a million times because they're on Star Wars and you know the movies or Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones or whatever it may be because John Williams has such a massive catalog and these songs are used for commercials and whatever so often that you know them, but you go and sit in an auditorium and listen to a full symphony orchestra, not just a combo of some sort, a full symphony orchestra 
performing it live and you start to pick up on complexities that you didn't notice before and you have like an emotional response that you don't get from a Ford commercial, you get it when you're sitting in a chair and having that energy coming at you from a stage. Well, I think also once you've, once you've experienced that, I think it makes you a little bit more aware of the exposure that you are getting through those commercials and everything else too. Like you kind Mm -hmm. of recognize like, Oh, I, I am hearing this music in my daily life. And then you have more of that recognition and can therefore appreciate it more as well. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, and we, we do also now, I mean, five years ago, 10 years ago, definitely we wouldn't have seen nearly as much of it. But you have the ability and exposure now through Instagram and YouTube and whatever that you, every once in a while, a clip might show up that shows you what a movie would be like if it didn't have music behind Boring. it. Yeah. And it is so dull. Yeah. Like all the action stuff is still happening. But it's like, like there's no impact because there's not music behind it. Yeah, and music now, creates mo- emotions. Right. And now you can do, you can show what that means through what those, that orchestra is doing on stage and having, I, I, I enjoy the fact that you're bringing in the, the video because we are in such a visual age where people want to be grabbed by something visual. Now I'm perfectly happy to sit in the audience and close my eyes and I don't very often because I feel like somebody's going to look over and assume that I'm sleeping and I'm not <laughs> sleeping. I'm enjoying the music. I'm closing my eyes and actually listening to everything that's going on on stage. But you do run into that. <laughs> like, I feel silly doing it because somebody's going to assume, oh, he's just sleeping at the symphony concert. What is he doing? Like, well, I, if feel, you- I feel like with my job, I, if I got caught sleeping at a concert, like some, I'd, get, I'd lose my job. We just need to make you a symphony <laughs> shirt that says, I'm not sleeping, I'm listening. Right. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. There you go. You, that's a, 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 there's a merchandise opportunity for you. Perfect. Well, and it, you know, clo- I do that a lot. I close my eyes and sit mm-hmm. there and listen. And as long as your head's not back and your mouth is hanging open, um, hopefully people will... <laughs> <laughs> hopefully people realize and understand it takes it takes your listening to a whole new level when you take away your sight Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's you you gotta try it if you haven't tried it you need to try it because it's truly amazing well you talked a little bit in your answer about um how the culture of our community is influenced through the symphony through the players but um this year's theme is actually um our town right what is what does that mean well, the original concept of our town is because of a play right. by Wild, Wilder Thornton. Thornton Wilder. Thank you. Yep, yep I was close. Thornton Wilder. Um, that was back in the 1940s, I believe. It's been around a long time. Um, and so we're actually doing that movie in April. And it's got a great orchestral score by um, Aaron Copeland who is another famous American composer that you've heard it, the got beef commercial that was on a number of years ago. That's, um, that's part of his um, suite. And so it started off as Maestro gave me the program for the season and it's called our town. And I'm like, this is great. I never know what the theme is going to be because he does, Maestro does all of the programming, but I get to create the images and put it together of what it's actually going to be 
for the season. And so I started doing some research and I found the the large moon scape was pretty common amongst a lot of the plays and things that are done through his um, work. And I said, this is great. Let's use this image, but let's make it our town. Mm-hmm. And that's when I reached out to artist uh, Roxy Mathis. Well, she helped me create this image with the the silhouette of the Stav Church at the Scandinavian Heritage Park. And then we put uh, Minot State University's Old Main, which is the building that we actually perform in. And of course, we can't forget our friends at Minot Air Force Base. And so I wanted to make sure that we included them as well. Just really kind of driving this to not only to represent the film that we're going to do in April, but to resent our our town, our community, your Minot Symphony Orchestra. Like, I just really wanted to drive that home. And our video commercial also has clips and images of old Minot classic oh, um, pictures from back in the day. I also appreciate how you're the, the simple wording that, you know, you have it italicized, but not everybody is necessarily going to pick up on it. But the influence is there, whether you realize it or not, by saying your Minot Symphony Orchestra, as opposed to the Minot Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, that's something that I stole from Nashville. I'm not going to lie, but I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason to rewrite something if somebody's done it. (laughs) Exactly. Because it is. I mean, it's, it's your symphony. I mean, we're here for you. We're putting these programs together. We ha- it, it's your neighbors, your friends, right. your dentists, your teachers. You know how many teachers are on that stage? Yeah. It's amazing. This is your community. It's your symphony. It's it's. Oh, I just get so excited every time that I talk about it because it's such an amazing group of people. You know, we have on average 70 musicians on stage for each performance. And they, they do. They come from all walks of life. There's a highway patrolman on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. I know the dentists and the orthodontists and the teachers and stuff. I didn't know about the highway patrolman. <laughs> yep. And there's a pilot. There's a minded Air Force Base pilot on there as well. Well, can you talk with us about any upcoming projects? Obviously, your new season has lots of stuff like to talk about. Uh, what are you most excited about? What do you What do you want people to know about? Mm. We don't have a dress code. You can wear jeans. You can wear business casual. You can dress it up to the nines if you want. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, we did change the musician dress code a couple of years ago where they have the option of, instead, we're all inclusive now, where they have an option of wearing all black or a black tuxedo, whether they're male or female or however they identify. And so that was one way that we want to make sure that we let everybody know that everybody's welcome. It's, it's for everybody. Um, our holiday concert is always a favorite. Who doesn't love, I mean, Sleigh Ride is one of my personal favorites. I know not every musician enjoys playing Sleigh Ride. Um, yeah, so with the holiday concert, we have the um, choirs of Minot State and Minot High School. So we'll have about 140 choral musicians as well as the full symphony. So it's nice. always a good time. Um, then in February, we have our Orchestra Rocks our Carnegie Hall link-up program that, like I said, you can bring your recorder. Uh, Tim Bauman will do a little introductory crash course on your recorder. 
uh, if you come and listen to Musicology before the concert starts. And Tim's going to be a guest in a few episodes also. So <laughs> yeah, He's amazing, amazing. Um, and then super excited for uh, March. We're going to do the North Dakota premiere of Emerson Eads' Mass for the Oppressed. And so, of course, we're going to have the Minot Chamber Chorale is going to sing with us, and Emerson will be a guest conductor. And then our season finale, Our Town, is in April, um, and that will feature two different film presentations. One is One Small Step, which is um, kind of a space-themed, similar to what we did last year, but not at all. (laughs) Okay. I love that. It's exactly the same, but totally different. <laughs> it's space-themed, although it's more on the people side of things. Okay. And this, the symphony will actually be silent for a moment while you hear Neil Armstrong's famous words. Oh, fun. Yes. That'll be powerful. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And then it ends with Our Town, the film, with live orchestral music, all written by Aaron Copeland. Nice. Yeah, so a great season. Season 98. So we are already planning and thinking about 100 in just a few years. That's so exciting. Yes. That is that is crazy. We're so lucky. We're so lucky in this community to have like a symphony orchestra that's been around for 100 years almost, like Right. Yeah. It all it actually all started back in um back with the, the musicians from the Minnesota Orchestra would travel by train from Minneapolis to Minot. And they'd put on a concert. Well, the number of musicians that they brought was minimal. Mm-hmm. So they talked local musicians into playing with them to have mm-hmm. a bigger ensemble. And then Artru Patrici was an Italian violinist that lived in Mohal, North Dakota. Okay. And he became the director of music at Minot State University. And then he incorporated that same concept into Minot State where the students could play, but then we brought in community members to play with them as well to form a larger ensemble. And that's how your Minot Symphony Orchestra was founded. Well, that's fun. Because that, that brings that circle to the your portion of it. Right. Because that, that it, was, it was the community that created it. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that there were... I mean, we have so many... <laughs> it's crazy. It, I mean, to have Minot with a almost 100-year-old full symphony orchestra... And I keep saying full because that is an important distinction to make because you can have a partial symphony orchestra. It sounds funny to say, but you can. And for a long time, Minot was the smallest community in the United States with a full symphony orchestra. Yes. Somebody has recently knocked us out of that spot and we don't want to talk about them. Uh, (laughs) Is that just because we're bigger or did a smaller community come in and... I think both. I think okay. we have gotten larger and other communities have. But the one thing about those smaller communities, like it's a suburb of Washington, D.C. Right. They don't count. So I mean, they count. You're in a but. major, you're <laughs> right. in a metropolitan area with a couple million people. Your village just happens to be smaller than it, mine. Are. Exactly. And they, you know, they compete for musicians from Washington, D.C. for the Nashville, the National Symphony. Sure. To come and play with them. I mean, that's. Not really comparing apples to apples. Right. But I, we are one of uh, very few, I know of three others in the in the U.S. that are university and community combined like we are. So that, too, is a really unique gem, the opportunity oh, cool. that we have here in Minot. That is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the, that origin story and kind of listening to how this came about because 
you know, this other symphony came in, but they needed extras because not everybody could travel. And so they brought in from the community and then eventually the community built, was able to build on and create this partnership with the university. And, you know, with us, with MACA, we're celebrating 50 years this year. And, you know, 50 years ago, it was a group from the chamber who said, you know, there's enough art stuff going on that we really need to have a calendar. Like, that's what got our organization started. Like, it was like seeing what's available in the community and going, something should be done about that. So, you know, for the size of what the Minot community is, even though it has grown, we're able to take from our community and build things that last and are relevant and important. And, and our community supports and embraces it so much. And that's why we're able to continue doing what we do yeah. is because of the support of the local community, our businesses, our sponsors, our individual donors and supporters, people that buy tickets without them, we would simply be rehearsing. Yeah. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about um, looking back a little bit, obviously we're a little bit removed from the pandemic at this point, but I want to talk about, the way our community has responded post pandemic, because I know that there's kind of been a theme across the country and probably across the world where audiences aren't necessarily coming back to live music opportunities. But I I don't know. I think the Minot community has shown something a little differently, haven't they? Yeah. The Minot community so far has been good. Um, We, unlike most organizations throughout the, the world, only did not perform one two concerts through COVID. Everything else, we had some type of performance where we had limited musicians on stage. We had social distancing for the musicians on stage as well as uh, the patrons in the audience. Um, so we are we were very unique through that in being able to continue to provide the opportunities for th- some musicians, not as many. You were also able to do. Uh, virtual offerings as well. Yes. Yep. We, we implemented the live stream, which we still continue. So all of our concerts are live streamed as well, because there you're right. There are people who will never come back into the hall again, which is unfortunate because if I don't hear live music, I get hungry. Like there's something missing in my life when I don't have the opportunity to get into the hall. I mean, I'm fortunate because I can listen to it every week when they have rehearsal. I always make sure that's my little treat. That's a bonus of my job is I get to go in and listen to rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's really great. Other times it's a work in progress, but you know, sure. anyway, it, it, it certainly helps. Like I said, in April, we sold out the planet video when we did it for the first time. So that would, to me was a hundred percent sure sign that people are ready and willing and able to come back to the hall. And like I said, when we take that time out of our lives to enjoy the arts, listen to the music visit the museums, take in that theater, it makes us better people. You know, the arts, and I always say music makes me happy. And that's what we all need. We all need more happy in our lives. And so by participating and showing up for these events, it's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you more productive and happy at work. And it makes our community even better because we have, we have these things right here. So make sure that you embrace them and, and participate and show up. I mentioned at the beginning the uh, loud arts advocate, right? Right. (laughs) I'm on my soapbox now. I love it so much. You're so good at it, and we're so grateful for you. 
and the work that you're doing. And we should also, we haven't mentioned that Ellen is on our board as well. And we are very grateful for her support and that she's there for us and that we have that advocate in our corner. So, so the Minot, Minot Symphony Orchestra is one of a variety of elements that makes Minot magic. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Yeah. Because why not? <laughs> it's, it's the art. Like it's, it, it truly is magic. Cause like I said, at the beginning, you can't feel it. I mean, you can't explain it. You can't necessarily touch it. You have to experience it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it is truly magical to be in a room with people with live, ex- live arts experiences or looking at um, the museums and all the things that Minot has to offer. Like you, you, I can't really describe it. It's because of people like Ellen and organizations like the Minot Symphony Orchestra that Minot is able to do the things that it does and have the arts community that it has. We recently got our report of findings that um, have been at, by this point published, and you can go to our website to find out more more information. But Minot and the surrounding area are one of the few regions in the country that has shown an increase of arts-related activity and spending compared to pre-pandemic numbers. And we're able to do that because of people with passion like you who are able to go out there and talk about it and get people to come into an auditorium and listen to symphony music. And it's having uh, enough of an eye on your community and enough uh, of a connection with your community to be responsive to what they need to feel comfortable to come back too. I think, you know, our, the special thing about this arts community is that it is compiled of a group of people who work together and who make sure that, that they're bringing people together to experience what they're creating. And it shows that, and there's a benefit to that, you know, there's, there's a fiscal benefit, right? um, but there's the, you know, the community and the mental health benefit of, of knowing that all of those pieces are being brought together with each other in mind. There's that thoughtfulness there because of the size of our community that I, that I, I bet would is one of the attributes that has brought the audiences back is people feel connected to this. They're not just going to something that they're not, that they're outside, that's outside of them. It's like, like, oh, I guess I could go to the symphony. They're, they know people who are in the mm-hmm. symphony. They've been before. It's a part of their life. It's a part of what makes this home for them. And they're willing to come back because they're a part of that. Definitely. So we've heard about what the community does for the symphony. What does it do for Ellen? What does Ellen bring to the table that is influenced by our rural? community i don't i don't i don't know how to explain it well Um, so we're both arts leaders with arts organizations and inevitably because of the work that we do and the amount of passion and energy that we pour into these aspects of our lives maca becomes an extension of Justin and over the last year has become an extension of Shandell as well. The symphony, because of the work that you're willing to put into it, 
has become an extension of Ellen. Do you see where the line is and what influences you to do what you've done? I, I don't think there is a line. I think it truly has changed my life. It has become who I am. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. There has not been a day that I've gotten up and said, oh, I have to go to work today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that that's just not a thing. It's I wake up and it's like, oh, what do I get to do today? Am I working on a grant report? Am I working on financials? Which is not my favorite part of the job. <laughs> am I, you know, who am I going to talk to? And how am I going to change their life? What, what, what is it about today? You know, I took this position as a part-time job to buy a cello for my daughter, right? And literally within a very short amount of time, it, be it became my life. It has everything that I do, Everywhere that I go, it has opened a whole world of opportunity for me. I have gotten to go to Nashville to see the Nashville Symphony. I've been to L.A., saw the L.A. Phil. I saw John Williams himself conduct the L.A. Phil at the Hollywood Bowl, which was undescribable. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. I've seen the New York Phil, and now this summer I saw the Pittsburgh Phil, too. And... Philharmonic, right? Yes. Yeah. Just we don't know who our listeners are. Like they may not know <laughs> what a Phil is. <laughs> it's not somebody on stage named Phil. No, but it could be. Could be. It could be. Um, and it, it has truly, like I said, changed my life. And like I don't know that I can separate Ellen from Executive Director Ellen. So when you took when you asked me that first question, I was like, um. I basically, I was a single mom, so I was always Miranda's mom. Oh, I just gave away my story. That was, <laughs> that was my daughter. <laughs> that was my daughter that I talked about. <laughs> but one of many examples throughout the symphony. I went from Ellen's mom and, and just really transitioned into this role as executive director of the Minot Symphony Orchestra. And I truly cannot imagine my life any other way. I've always thought that as I grew up that I wanted to do marketing and all things communication for a company and not be working with through most of my career. I worked with multiple companies that I was dealing with at, at a time, but my goal was always to work for one company. I always thought it would be in the profit world, but I can't imagine working in the for-profit world anymore after sure. working in nonprofit. Like it's such a niche group and having the partners and the resources and the support of the musicians and the community that we have, the support that we have of each other with executive directors through the Alliance of Nonprofits and Minot, and then connecting with other executive directors through the League of American Orchestras, going to conference and monthly meetings. Like, that, that is who I am. What do I do in my free time when I travel? I go with a friend to a NASCAR race, but guess what? Friday night, I went to the, to the Kansas City Symphony. Saturday, I went to the NASCAR race. <laughs> I really love that those are your two things, too. Right. Can I just say, like, when I found out NASCAR that you were into NASCAR, I was, like, so surprised, and it made me so happy. Like, I love that so much because, I don't know, I've, in my brain, it feels like a, like contrasting things, and it's just, 
It's so fun. And so, I love, but it's like, not because when you were talking about it um, this summer, you were going to the races and you were like, just the sound of the cars, mm -hmm. right? And the way it makes you feel. And it's so funny because it's like, it's the same thing for you. Like NASCAR and the symphony. It's that it's that, energe uh, that energetic sound and the way that makes you feel. And I love that so much. So I had a, I had a professor in grad school. So it was a theater professor um, at, at, in a grad program who was writing a book about the performative nature of NASCAR. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a symphony right in front of you, but at, you know, 180 miles an hour, however fast they go. I mean, it's just, yeah, amazing. It's great. <laughs> so so your, your influence and what influences you, this is a whole cyclical thing for <laughs> Ellen, who Ellen influences the symphony, which then influences the rural community, which then influences Ellen, which then, I mean, it, and it goes both directions. You are the weirdest merry-go-round ever. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that is like, that should be our goal, right? Like to find your place in life where you are being like fed and being fed and um, where the energies are just in flow. And I love that you found that. Yeah. And watching the musicians come to rehearsal is different than watching them leave rehearsal, watching patrons come to the symphony and watching them go away. When they go away, like they're a different person than when they walked in. Mm. Like it's just, it's, it's that magic that we keep talking about, that undescribable feeling. Art is just something you have to experience. And we could all four sit in the same performance and we're all going to leave different with different experiences that, that brought us in and yeah. different experiences that we're taking out into the world. Like it's like, just, just do it. That, that is a, that is one of the wondrous aspects of art and all its creations and incarnations is the, the ability to change a person. It has changed me most definitely. And for the better, not that it was bad before, but I'm better now. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so, I mean, I do the same thing. I, it, being in this position, um, I now, when we, when my family and I travel, we like, we seek out little art galleries or art shows or whatever it may be. We end up just, and not even consciously sometimes, we just stumble, oh, hey, look at that. And it's not something. I would have noticed at least as much. Right. But sometimes you don't even have to seek it out. It's just there. Right. But you recognize it and you appreciate it more. Right. Because you're more aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Ellen, we asked this question at the end of each of our podcasts. And I'm sure we can guess what, like, your initial answer would be. But maybe <laughs> we'll take your initial one and then maybe there's, like, a second um, uh recommendation but if you could make just one arts related recommendation to someone who's either visiting um our community or new to our community or even somebody who's established here what would that well the minot symphony performs six times a year so you're not too far away from a symphony concert so definitely want you to check out a symphony concert you're going to come you're going to experience live symphonic music orchestral music it's undescribable. You're probably going to be more familiar with some of the works than you realize because you've heard them on the TV, you've heard them on your commercials, you've heard them in the movies. Um, and to experience that live is like no other. But honestly, just do it. Put it on your calendar and attend the events. 
I mean, the the nonprofits are in this community to provide things for you to do. Think of all the benefits and fundraisers that you go to. If it wasn't for the nonprofits, you wouldn't have all those fun things to do. I mean, it would be pretty boring to just work and go home every day, wouldn't it? I mean, I can't imagine that lifestyle, but yeah, just put it on the calendar and just do it. Fun. Put it on the calendar and just do it. All right. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ellen. I thank you for coming and being our guest today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. I've learned a little bit more about myself than I realized. Yay. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the Minot Arts Podcast, a map to the arts in small town America with Justin. And Chandel. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our antics today and would like to hear more from us, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving a review or subscribing via whatever platform it is that you're listening to podcasts on. The Mind on Arts podcast is hosted by Justin Anderson and Shindel Latin, is presented as a program of the Minot Area Council of the Arts in Minot, North Dakota, and is produced by Brandon Tronson of More Than Music. This project is supported in part by grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the state legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us or any of our programming, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at minotarts.org. Mm-hmm.